This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Department of Homelander Security, the officially unofficial podcast for the boys on Amazon Prime Video. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season two, episode four, titled Nothing Like It in the World. Aaron, what did you think of this episode there's certainly nothing like the boys in the world uh that's true yeah the stuff the the fucked up stuff they get up to with the doppelganger character (laughs) my god yeah it's you know i i because i i my mind goes through the gamut when he lands and goes in that cabin and she's there i'm like is this some kind of robot that Vought has constructed the you know is this uh uh, Stan Edgar's ace up a sleeve. Is it some genetically engineered thing? Is he having a psychotic break? Sure. Dream sequence. Uh, uh, she she didn't really die. This was she like had a clone that he killed to make it look right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's in like the the simplest answer is the one that ends up being correct. Is like oh there's another soup that's a you know that's that's a classic superhero power be able to you know the mystique it up. Mm-hmm. And he's got this schlubby middle-aged mystique that he's <laughs> he's bullying into being his sex mommy again. Yep. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was a good episode, and there's a lot of like well-crafted narratives in like people being forced to make parallel uh, decisions, like Butcher's wife Becca having to go her separate way. Um, because Billy can't handle having a superpowered child, yeah. and you know that that also mirroring um, Star Starlights having to go her separate ways from Huey because it's so dangerous what they're doing, and they're both similar because they like you know they have this kind of like connection, this intense connection before the very intense disconnection. I thought it was pretty nice. It's pretty nice uh, mid season um, kind of like over the hump uh, plot. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I, I really like that stuff with Starlight and Huey. I think um, that one scene where they kind of lay out all the pressures they're living under, right? Like, oh, here's, you know, they're cons- comparing their t- stress peens, right? Um, like, here's what I'm living under. Oh, yeah, here's what I'm living under. Uh, and And Annie's just like, I feel like there's a loaded gun pointed in my face every single day. And and how this road trip has given her a slight reprieve from that, right? She doesn't feel yeah. that pressure. And, like, it says so much about, like, how good they could be for each other if they weren't in this completely fucked up situation. Um, and, and it's it's sad in some ways. It's it's delightful to see in others. And, like, I, I'm, I'm really connecting with those two characters now. Uh, and the rest of it, I mean, like, the deep stuff is kind of hilarious uh, as it has been. And I, I do wonder where they're going with that. I think... You know, as someone with uh, who is familiar with the cult life, let's say, uh-huh. uh, I feel an intense like dread over uh, over what's coming. What I know, like I can see all the mechanisms at work here, right? Like this, con- these control mechanisms. It's 
it's so fucked up. Um, and I know that he's just digging in deeper and deeper here with every step. Uh, it, it really sets off alarms in my head. And and it's great. Um, the butcher stuff, I, I guess I didn't think I would care much about like butchers reuniting with his wife because butcher is a character that encourages you not to like him in a lot of ways um, or not to really want to see him super happy. Yeah, he is kind of like this antagonist protagonist. You're broadly because like when Becca was running down all the reasons they that she can't go back into relationship with him, it makes absolute sense. You know, yeah. like everything she's leveling as an accusation and he just doesn't get it. Like, um, yeah, they've they've lived a very different life, had very different priorities the last 10 years. And it, it shows. And I, I also like that they're starting to flesh out, like especially Mother's Milk this episode, Marvin. Yeah. Um, but given Frenchie, uh, like I, I, I was shocked at his like drug, you know, dr- uh, destructive, self-destructive drug use this episode. Like he does just like mm-hmm. his go to. I don't remember if they established that um, in season one or if he's just in a lot and like how um, I guess they've done a pretty good job of showing that he's fairly emotionally immature. He's very childlike in a lot of ways. And yeah. you, you saw that in full display this episode, like some of the mistakes he makes. Um yeah, I'm having I, I still like I get Huey. He just drives me fucking crazy, man. Uh, yeah, his inability to be like emotionally honest. And the few times when he is, he tries to walk it back because, oh, God, I've you know, I overshared or whatever. Right. Right. It's, he starts feeling self-conscious about it. And yeah, it's not unbelievable. It's just annoying, you know, sure. as a scene. The, it's it's like um legitimately in the same way that like i guess it would could be annoying to watch you know don draper do self-destructive things on the mat it's it's still it's not that you you hate watching or whatever it's just i'm I'm half the time watching his scenes with starlight like what you know hands in front of my face peeking out between fingers like oh my god what is this horror show what, <laughs> and he's why? being pulled in two directions right he's got annie who's trying to pull him over toward expressing everything to her right and he's got butcher right. who's who's saying shut that shit down you're weak. We don't have time for this bullshit. <laughs> like, sure. He's trying to be both of these people in two different scenarios and it's tearing him apart. Uh, Especially since like, I feel like Starlight is the type of person who would, you could level with all the time, you know, like yeah. she seems like she's remarkably well adjusted for the upbringing she's had and the experiences that she's gone through. Um, so it's like watching him play these weird games and she's just not like, it's 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 like watching someone trying to play basketball against the other person just standing on the court like what what's all this dribbling going on um <laughs> yeah and he's just i don't know there's, there's something really pathetic about him too baby huey here yeah. um i that's <laughs> I, I they 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 again if they're going to pivot into john connor i'm i'm just very curious to see if they give this guy a spine as he's if he's going to get a spine and it'd be hilarious if it was actually physical like he gets a cyborg spine you know, a literal spine injection. Um, but but it's like, yeah, he's just kind of like a boneless fish in he, his he, early season. He injects compound V and it just gives him a really hard spine. <laughs> yeah. Gives him an adamantium backbone and that's all he needed. That's all he needed. Yeah. I actually went back and watched one of the episodes from season one where Homelander was confronting uh, Starlight about, you know, fraternizing with the enemy here with Huey and, and just mm-hmm. his dismissal of Huey as this weak ineffectual person and yeah i mean huey has definitely been that in the past and i think this season he's trying to step up um that whole thing i think was 
you know, our wrench was thrown in that when Butcher showed back up and just started being the daddy again. But like, yeah, I, at some point there has to be a real confrontation between them, right? Something where Huey steps up and either, you know, either comes to terms with being the beta here in this relationship, whatever, or expresses like, look, you're, you're out. I'm in this group needs me more than it needs you. You're harming us more than helping. I don't know. They might be setting that up now because Butcher has once again left the team for his the the pursue his own. And it's wild because I thought the language they're telling last episode was him putting that to the side. Uh Um, I guess and maybe he was, but then Colonel Colonel gave just gave him. He's like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna you know try to help the other, and then the Colonel just gave him. So that all tracks. Uh But I think you know it was portrayed by on mother by by mother as like a betrayal. Uh, Huey's already over him and Frenchie if he ever so you know cleans out and recognizes the betrayal as well it, it'll it'll be int- yeah I, I I can I can I can see the pieces it's just the the big piece in the middle Huey needs he needs a spinal transfusion something I guess that's the thing like as as Becca points out in this episode you know he's on a path he's got patterns that he falls into butcher does and I wonder if mother and and Frenchie and Huey are gonna see that like because yeah. he does he leaves he comes back when it's convenient for him he's there when it's not he's gone like that's that's a pattern that he's falling into and i wonder if they're going to let him get away with it for much longer are you rooting let me, are you rooting for starlight and huey to be together yeah yeah are you really okay. i feel like a dipshit for rooting for it but yeah <laughs> cuz like i guess i can't tell if like i'm i'm on guard because i feel like this is the type of show that will might kill one of these characters like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Game of Thrones style in season three to, to be shocking because it's got that DNA. So, like, I'm not sure if I'm just not or if I think Starlight and Huey could be to do better. You know, like Huey, this is a the definition of a rebound relationship for him. Right. Yeah. Like it's like he's still grieving the tragic loss of his girlfriend, and you know he's 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 now this like very impressive, beautiful woman is taking an interest in him. Is you know this the actual thing he needs in his life, or is it the thing in front of him that he can't say no to? And for her, yeah, what is like how in the world is Huey? Um, I, I guess even though he's a mere mortal, he's embroiled in this superhero politics stuff. So maybe he can't understand the like life and death shit the way a lot of people wouldn't. Um, but you know, she's doesn't have a lot of relational miles under her belt too. So just from a human storytelling perspective, it's fair, highly unlikely. It seems to me that these two would end up together tr- uh, setting aside tragedy. So, but yeah. And, and yeah. If they continue on the path they're on, you know, Hugh has got to be, more honest with her like that's that's all she's really asking from him is just be honest with me don't don't hide shit don't try and protect me and and everybody's telling him that right like she's a big girl right take care of herself uh she's she's a bigger girl than you are a boy so fucking (laughs) treat her like it right and yeah yeah i I don't know hugh is is somehow reluctant to do that Uh, he thinks he's protecting her by keeping her out of this which and I think it's also his insecurity, right? Like if he's yeah. honest with her, then she'll under she'll know that he's not special, and that he's yeah. clingy and emotional and all this. Like if he's honest about it, then she'll she's in love with the fiction. Just she's worked up in her mind about him, and he's worried about being exposed. So 
yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I like this episode. I, it's not as like thrilling from the the Homelander Vought Stan Eggers kind of angle that I really loved about last episode. Uh, but we'll probably get back smart to that, from I'm a, sure. probably smart from a pacing perspective yeah. to like give that that battle royale a little bit of space to breathe, or even like throw Stormfront in. Uh-huh. Um, that might be. Is that is it possible to uh, Stan Egger? That's his plan. Is just to have Homelander uh embroiled in a, a useless power struggle within the seven that keeps the focus off of him so he can do the behind the scenes maneuvering to continue to yeah. put Vought on top. I mean that's what I was thinking last episode. Um there's a new wrinkle here uh with Stormfront potentially being Liberty, uh the, the mm. long time didn't see that coming. Superhero. Did not see that coming. No. Um so there might be more to it now um that we know that information. But yeah I I do think Edgar part of Stan's plan is to keep Homelander distracted, um, not let him get involved in the power politics that are playing out on the global scale. Right. Yeah. Just keep it all about the boys club. Yeah. That is the Stan doesn't give a shit about. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's get into the recap. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We start off with a woman being interviewed and she tells a story about getting engaged to a man whom she didn't realize wanted to remain childless. And she called the wedding off when she found out. And she thinks that communication is the key to a healthy relationship. I thought these were so fucking mysterious the first time I watched this. Like, what is this? Like, is it going to be a commercial for superhero dating? Mm Mm-hmm. Or what is the deal? And I still have a lot of questions, but it was an interesting kind of like mystery that it was like second time in a row where uh, I, I fire up the Amazon software and like, God damn it, is the catalog? What What is this? Is this yeah. desperate housewives dating on the Internet? Like it, it's slightly filmed differently. It's a completely different thing. And it 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 put me off balance as a viewer uh, right mm-hmm. right away which I think is kind of cool, but they're also a little bit of comic relief because, you know, some of these women seem like they're nightmares. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the men that they're talking about are definitely nightmares. Absolutely. Um, yeah. By the, by the end, when you understand, okay, these are, these are relationship auditions, uh, essentially it, it puts into perspective, like what the church wants for the deep, I guess. Right. Um, here she's talking about communication being the key. Uh, and they don't really care about the communication between the wife and the husband here. Uh, they've got some other things in mind, and we'll talk about those when we get to the particular scenes. But this this is not the woman that he is going to end up with, we'll just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Frenchie gets blasted out of his mind uh, on Coke. Coke looked like Coke to me. Uh, and he, he kisses Kamiko while she's seething about the death of her brother, which... Not a good idea. She rebuffs him with a hand to his throat and he runs off. Yeah. Partially crushed windpipe. Yeah. Good way to good way to shut that shit down. Uh, I saw here on the news that her brother is being blamed for the death of the people in this apartment building, which, of course, yep. um, that's how the yep. the seven would spin it. How Vaught would spin it. This, 
deadly, dead-eyed foreign terrorist remorselessly right. killing all these, you know, hardworking Americans. Pretty. I mean, yeah, that's that's the infuriating thing. Like this team, just everyone gets drugged through the mud. Hmm. And these scenes with Kamiko and Frenchie are really just like setting stuff up for the future because there's not much in this episode for them. Um, we're just kind of learning how Frenchie feels about this whole situation and Kamiko's angry, which obviously. Yeah. And it's wild because we don't know much about Frenchie and like this, this relationship has all been surface and it still feels like very surface level. Yeah. And we did find more about Frenchie, but it seems to reinforce that like, he's just infatuated this girl and doesn't really give a shit about what she needs or wants. Uh, now yeah. it might be his arc that he kind of matures and sees her as an actual person. But, um, you know, we took a lot of this stuff as benign in the first, you know, that he's like, you know, uh, looking after her and like one of the few members of the team that gives a shit about her one way or another. But it's been revealed this last episode or two that that's kind of been a self-centered concern yeah and i think that doesn't have a lot to do about her as a person yeah yeah Yeah, uh they're putting some some decent color on this character now after you know a full season of nothing from him um yeah i'm looking forward to what they do but they don't do any of it here right like really they're just saying they're setting the state of frenchie which is he is a a man child who's got something that he needs to deal with um about his guilt over her brother and like all the all the people that have died. I, I don't know his role in this whole thing. He's got to come. Yeah, the only thing the, the thing they needed to do is disabuse us of the notion that Frenchie's just a good guy. You know, he's just a good yeah. guy. He's like, like he seems like he's the, the best of the boys. Right. And they kind of reveal that, you know, when you peel his layers back, he's got a lot of fucked up shit going on under the hood too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's gonna Yeah. Like there's clear lines of growth for all these guys and I can't wait to see them go down it. All right, Homelander is watching Stormfront uh, and seething over her press. Uh, she's arranging a protest against Vought, um Yeah, on the news, she's eschewing the multi-million-dollar patriotic commercials and going just just doing personal appeals. Late woman on the street, which you know, if if you're if you're Stormfront, you've got to be questioning why Vought's letting you do this on their official channels. Um, why they're keeping you in the seven. I like how much do you think she's in on this? It is like I this is a plan with Stan. I, uh, yes, that's my working theory is that, yeah. you know, uh, she went away to cover up some stuff. She's this powerful super they had on the bench and he needs someone to contain Homelander. She needs a fresh start. But it's also like um, I'm curious to see because she's old. She's real old and she's playing a very young, hip, uh, very deeply racist person. Uh-huh. Uh, it's I'm I'm curious to see how they it's it's almost like Shades of Twilight, you know, that you've got this 17 uh, year old boy who actually is a Civil War veteran or some shit. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what's it like to be in that kind of cover? You know, that like you're born in 1920 and you're racist because you're born in 1920. Um, But now you also have to have all the like you got to be up on Periscope. Like imagine an 85 year old grandma that's brand as being sexy and Mm -hmm. anti-consumer on Periscope and Twitter and shit like that. Like that, that'd be that'd be that that seems like that's uh, that'd be something to be annoying at to say the least or or hard to do. I mean, you live through the Great Depression and now here you are 
getting mm-hmm. making sure you get you get hearts on periscope <laughs> like yeah okay yeah. no I, I but I, I think it's interesting and i i do i what do you think you think she's in in deep yeah i mean she has to be um well well there's no way vaught doesn't know right vaught has to know she's liberty they made her vaught absolutely has to know they put her in this position for a reason um and it seems like From the, and at the very doing, top level this is a top-down decision absolutely yeah stan put her in there personally so like mm-hmm. He understands. He he's got to he's got to know who she is, right? Um, both mm-hmm. as as the superhero Liberty um, from the past, but also her her stance on the Vought Corporation and that she's going to get in there and mix shit up with their public image. That's part of what he's trying to do, and whether he's just trying to keep the Seven occupied while Vought goes about their business, or whether it's something more, I don't know yet but mm-hmm. it remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, they, they, I, I love the shot that they, that they give us when Homelander is watching her on the news. It's like shot right past his leg as he's like tapping it furiously. Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sitting there. Can't, oh, he's so angry. And it's, you see the leg energy. and past it, the her on the news. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, and yeah. then he flies off to this cabin where Madeline Stillwell, who I'll remind you, was murdered by him last season in graphic uh, style very graphic unmistakably murdered there's no chance mm-hmm. she survived that uh welcomes mm-hmm. him to this cabin with a warm glass of milk and a makeout session and this is a profound what the fuck scene like yes. like you mentioned in the beginning you're you see this and you're like okay there are 50 scenarios i can think of where this could happen what would the boys do here and and i'll, I'll admit i i was kind of a dumbass when it came to this scene. I was thinking, God, clones. Uh, uh, same. We're in a fucking superhero film, like shape sh- or series. Shape shifting is a thing that superheroes do all yeah. the time. I should have. That should be a number one on my list. It was nowhere on my list. I know. Like the idea that this is some kind of mystique, kind of a clay face figure. And what's wild is I'm watching Harley Quinn, the anime series on HBO Max, uh-huh. which has Clayface as a major character and he's transforming people all the time. Like, why? Why <laughs> the hell did I not make that connection? I feel like if they're doing such a good job of connecting me to some of these characters and then the intrigue mm-hmm. that's going on with the business and the public image. Uh, that's that right. I just my mind is laboratory a superhero show half the yes. time, right like yes. oh fuck of course there would be a hundred thousand other people who Vaught has experimented on who have various ranges of powers I just get stuck in like oh Translucent and Homelander sure. and Starlight and these are the power sets no they're all over the place and especially it's what's really great is like this kind of reinvents this kind of Oz prison bitch relationship where like you know this this gang of a prison boss has his favorite twink that he tattoos tits on their back like uh-huh. forcing this dude to to take a, the, this other to be this other thing and it, they established that it's like extremely painful yeah. but he's got to do it because what you know Homelander what he's going to ask politely uh, and when they review because I'm thinking okay it's a laboratory robot manipulation psychological thing when it's just some dude that's being abused by Homelander uh, it then the second time it rolls around, the stakes are are much higher, and like the desperation, the desperate tactics yeah. are uh, like I was goddamn was on edge of my fucking seet the the second time they they had their their meetup, but yeah, yeah and they, we won't they completely see pulled one over absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we, we won't see any more of this guy. Obviously, he's he's dead. No, he's going to hunt down another shapeshifter and make him assume doppelganger as Madeline. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but I, I did appreciate the the twist where like it's painful to hold that form for a while because they don't usually do that. Yeah. Right? It's like sucking in your gut. Like you have to hold yeah, these muscles yeah. in a certain way. And like it's it, it's like trying to keep your arms above your head for an hour. It's just uh, hard to do. Yeah. All right. Butcher meets Grace to tell her that they've run out of leads on Raynard's killers. And she gives him a, the next clue, uh, which is an address where Mother's Milk can go to ask about Liberty. Uh, Grace also gives him the location of Becca, even though he couldn't hold up his end of the bargain. Yeah, it's interesting, this this Colonel character, that she's got this, uh, all these ghosts following her, all the the normal people have been killed by soups, and she envisions it in this massive crowd in Carnegie Hall, and they're all looking back at her, and uh, I thought it was was kind of poignant, because it did feel Mm -hmm. like a a plot shortcut, but yeah, no, I buy it, like, you know, she's at the end of her life, she's got a bunch of regrets, Uh, she was, she's an arch manipulator and she's manipulated this guy to, and you kind of like hijacked his life for a decade and she's at the end of her life. She's feeling real bad about it. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't want another pair of eyes staring back at her. I thought that this was a really good scene and Carl Urban and, and the Colonel here, uh, did a nice dance. Yeah. Yeah. Well-constructed scene. I, I sometimes just appreciate the construction of the writing, um, -hmm. and how it loops back in on itself. Uh, Homelander and Madeline watch Taxi Driver while he vents his frustration about being usurped by Stormfront as the face of the Seven. She suggests that he thin the Seven herd, and then Madeline morphs into a shape-shifting soup named Doppelganger. Homelander demands that Doppelganger change back, even though it's very painful. Yeah, and I also because like I remember the first time I was watching this, like I start like Madeline is very flirty and available at the beginning, but she there's something about her looks strained. As uh-huh. the scene went on, like, and I was trying to think, like, are you getting bored of Homelander? Are you finding this tedious? Because holy shit, if he catches on, you're going to be dead. And when he just, t- just turned in his middle-aged dude, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Such a great, like I said, I was I was wide open for the Haymaker uh, and yeah. it, it landed. And j- then it's like this, what the fuck? And then I felt really bad for his doppelganger. And, you know, God, did, did, fuck Homelander, man. What? Oh yeah, what I mean, a terrible kind of guy that would see something redemptive about Taxi Driver, <laughs> like right? About the main yeah, character. he's like, I, I can't wait to hear his f- crazy ideas about like Fight Club. You know, like or he's Scarface, one of those ones that watch that. Yeah, they watch the movie and get all the wrong conclusions from it. Uh-huh. Um, but I thought that was like when I saw that they're watching. Ta- I was like, oh my god, can you imagine sitting down this psychopath who's trying to get him calm down and feed him milk? And he's like, let's watch Taxi Driver. Oh fuck <laughs> you know you don't want to do babe no you don't want to do babe or uh, the muppets the muppets mm-hmm. a movie something like that you want okay taxi driver all right sure falling down yeah something sure. relaxing why not <laughs> uh so then mm tries to talk butcher out of leaving uh leaving the group to go off to find becca mm-hmm. on his own butcher promises that mm will, will get his family back if he just follows up on this uh liberty lead and he's not saying goodbye to the other boys, which none of this is sitting right with him. You know, the butcher leaving again, butcher not saying goodbye to the rest of the team, like all of it, all of it just feels wrong to him. Yeah. And when he tries to do the bro shake at the end and mother's milk does, but it's very unconvincing. And it's nice because like, 
I don't think Mother's Milk necessarily expected him to be the bigger person, say goodbye to Huey. But the Frenchie feels like a betrayal and like, oh, well, you know, he's blasted off his mind and drugs feels very thin to M.M. here. Uh, And uh, they I mean, they sold all that for sure. Yeah, none of it's great. Uh, it, It makes me wonder what kind of greeting he'll get if he returns a second time. Well, also, if Mother's Milk does this uh, milk run and gets his family back, there's also the idea that, like, why are the boys the boys? Yeah. Like, they were kind of thrown back together uh, circumstantially, and they all had different, you know, they all have now very different wind conditions. Mm-hmm. And some of them are probably going to, like, when Mother uh, gets his name cleared and his family out of danger, why wouldn't he? Like, some of the stuff later on where he's talking about like him becoming his dad, having a disease that he's caught. And if he doesn't watch, he's going to pass it on to his kids. Like he's talking about him dying. Mm-hmm. Like there is, there is, there are no old, bold anti soup dudes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's feeling that. And, you know, as a, someone who his dad's death put him on a trajectory, he doesn't want to do that to his kids. It's, it's great stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I don't know how they keep the boys together, and and I do see where th- this could all realign behind Huey with the right like you know bouncing uh, balls falling into to the right the right positions. Yeah, no, it feels like they're in this this sort of empty space where they don't, uh, you know, like you said, they don't have uh, goals that are aligned anymore. Um, they're not against each other, but they're also just doing their own thing and. Uh, yeah, I know. I know that by, you know, the next couple of episodes or something, things will change and they'll have to join forces again to, you know, fight the the greater evil here. But how that's yeah. going to happen, I'm I'm not quite seeing it yet. I mean, it's got to be obviously something around Stormfront slash Liberty. I think like that's that's kind of the inroad to getting the boys back together. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see where it goes, I guess. So Homelander. Uh, corners Starlight in an elevator, a uh, stopped elevator, and physically threatens her because she he thinks she's on Hugh's side. She explains that she's not on his side because he betrayed her, and Homelander understands that she is not lying, um, and lets her go. H- how how convinced are you by this this Starlight uh, confession or or Starlight defense that she's not on Hugh's side because he betrayed her? I think that. What I believe is that Homelander can absolutely like feel whether you're lying or not because he's got superhuman senses. But I also don't think he's a finely tuned lie detector and he's pretty easy to sell. Like she's essentially telling the truth. She isn't furious with with uh, Huey. She does feel let down by him. Um, But and she also like is a good hero. She's not going to murder someone just because somebody's having a bad day at the office or wants to do some horseshit. Uh, uh, purity and loyalty test so like I don't know I thought it was it, it's but it's one of those exhausting things it's like this could happen every fucking day and and yeah. Homelander just like he just instantly like grabs a piece of her internal anatomy like I think he reached under her rib cage and is going to start breaking her ribs one by one from the inside it's like so fucking horrific yeah uh, and this guy can do this anytime he wants anytime he gets a suspicion and is his mental state going to be more and more stable as the season goes on or probably more and more instable as Stormfront's pushing him and he loses popularity and Maeve betrays him and he doesn't have anyone to turn to like it's a 
fucking scary situation. The yeah. loaded gun in her face all the time is a, is a really nice metaphor here. So, yeah, no, I think that he... Homelander thinks enough about himself and doesn't understand fundamentally how normal people behave that he is for now convinced that she's telling the truth because she is. She's yeah. telling a, a one-sided version of it. Absolutely. And I think in that moment, she kind of believes it. It's it's only really like in the moments where her and Huey get together um, and they're face to face and she re- remembers, you know, what kind of guy he is deep down and forgets the things he's done that have been really shitty that mm-hmm. her, you know, her opinion of him vacillates between anger at the betrayal and intense, you know, uh, like like a puppy love kind of thing, right? Or or trust, yeah. uh, some kind of intrinsic trust. I I think in this moment, yeah, she definitely believes that she's not on his side, but I also don't think she would necessarily kill him if it came to that. She might sacrifice herself no. to to prevent yeah. his death. I think that's a, a nice realistic um, take on this kind of inexperienced young relationship that like you do when you fall for someone and they betray. It's not like the first betrayal. Usually you're like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. It's it's uh, back and forth and like, oh, the, you know, you want them to be the best version of them that you can see. And will they ever get there? Uh, that stuff is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that I, I wonder if. Because when, you know, a few scenes from now when they meet in Central Park, it does feel like it was more of an act that she put on for Homelander. And I think narratively they could have gotten away with her being a little bit more standoffish and then him winning her over by inviting her onto this, you know, this adventure that he's kind of closed her off from. Um, but like, you know, from almost a jump, it's almost like, oh, poor Huey, how are you doing? I missed you. And I got your voicemail and all. So like, I, I kind of almost wish they'd played it to where she was a little bit feeling more of what she, the truth of what she told Homelander. Um, but they didn't go in that direction. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 in some ways I'm surprised that she's not a little more pissed about the stuff that her parents, uh, did like I mean compound V right. comes out right as as a, the thing that causes the superpowers she thereby knows that her parents did this to her and yet she still seems to be mostly okay with him like they're telling a story of her becoming more jaded absolutely um and and that's happening pretty rapidly but also she still feels sort of you know naive and childlike and she she's in a limbo there where she could go either way yeah, and I think they did a good job last season showing that her and her mom had already had a falling out about just yep. the the extreme Christianity uh, kind of double standards thing that she lived through. And then early this season, they reestablished that she like didn't take one of her mom's phone calls, so they're still on the out. So it's not as big a betrayal. And even like they show Maeve. Like it's like there's some people like uh, Black Noir that really takes the and, and the deep that really takes the wind out of the sails. But like, yeah. I feel like Maeve and maybe Starlight are a little bit further ahead and play, uh, processing the trauma of being manipulated by adults you trust and love and, you know, yeah. being used by them. So she's she was reading. She got the headline a season early that everybody else did. Sure. All right. Uh, Black Noir gets one of the texts to pull up info on Butcher and he pulls up a chair next to her while they search for him. Um the tech is very intimidated by him, as he probably would be. But I, I don't know if they're intimidated as they should be, because like 
So there's a Vought crime and anal- data analysis, which is what she is. They they established that this is like some kind of Vought crime analysis. Uh-huh. Uh, this is everyone's central bat computer. Um, <laughs> right. Do you think they know like the shit that Noir and Homelander get up to? Because like this is like this is intimidating, mm-hmm. like um, like uh, an evidence room supervisor being intimidated by Batman, just you know being there requesting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or is she, she intimidated because she knows that this Batman kills people? I, I didn't uh, get the impression that the latter was true. I thought it was more just okay, general. I didn't he's either. just a generally imposing, intimidating yeah. presence. Because he's like Batman, it doesn't. And like, I just love his like psychotic note. It's like it's written in serial killer letters, like just butch <laughs> and the word butcher. And she's <laughs> right. like, would that be William Butcher? And he just stares at her and she's like, oh, okay. No, it, it's it's kind of light comic relief, but I wondered like, yeah, like these are the Vought, if they're the criminal analysts, maybe they actually do know, you know, more about. I think they would know more than the average person, certainly. Um, yeah. You still don't get insights into like, you know, they're working off traffic cams and shit like that. So they're not going to see like Homelander, you know, lasering a bunch of people and letting a plane go down. Right. They're not, they're not going to see that, right. but they will see if they're doing stuff in the city, um, they might've caught yeah, some shit on Stormfront, right? That's like, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That apartment building, they might know the whole story on that apartment building. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Uh, they've got a real vendetta here, the writers of this episode, against Almond Joy. Like, this is the first instance of it where she's eating an Almond Joy and he comes up and holds up a trash can and forces her to throw it in the garbage. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and here's the thing. I unironically love Almond Joy. It's a top five candy bar for me. Oh, shame so, on you. And and <laughs> I, I, Charleston Chew, take it or leave it. But Biddle Honey, good candy. Fine candy. So I'm, I was like, I felt unreasonably attacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you were supposed to. If you're a fan of Almond Joy, you yeah. were being attacked this episode. Yeah, it's such a strange, like, I get it's a non-conventional candy bar, but holy shit. It's, uh, I'm a garbage person. Interesting. Is, is the Almond Joy the one that's coconut? Almond Joy is coconut, but also has the two, like it's a it's a coconut bar with two almonds on top of it, and then uh, it's it's all coated in chocolate. Okay, yeah. It's so trash. yeah, Almond Joy, Mounds is Almond Joy without the almonds. Okay. They're both trash. Which is, they both which is confusing can. because Mounds, you'd think, would represent the humps of the Almond Joy. It's very confusingly candy. Oh, you're right. Candy. Yeah, like mounds is the candy without the mounds. But th- but then you couldn't almond have joy the almond has joy the almonds without the mounds right. because those are almonds. So See, I think it'd be joy. hilarious if they just did full circle. Then the mounds was almond joy and almond joy is mounds. <laughs> and the joke is like, what do you expect almonds to have al- almond joy to have almonds? Come on. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to Annie meeting Hugh in the park. <laughs> she laments the uh, the things that they've done that have made things way worse. Uh, M.M. calls Huey and says, we're going to Raleigh. Pack your shit. Uh, I'll pick you up soon. Uh, Hugh can see that Annie is feeling lost and alone, and so he invites her on the mission, which M.M. is not thrilled, but he does agree to take her along, kind of for Hugh's sake. I do. So do you think the show is deliberately telling us the story of Annie, Starlight, and Huey being sloppy? Because they're not even taking basic not being recognized precautions. She's chipped. Yeah. They're in Central Park, New York City. Uh, I mean, this is like Scarlett Johansson 
going in like a pullover and a loose ponytail and expecting not Dude. to be recognized. She's on literally five story banners a street over from this place. Like yeah. no one is going to. Re- I, I just wish to like they, they they did that lip service in the very beginning of the season where they're like wearing the sunglasses and the the hat and, you know, pulling their coat. They're not even trying. And I'm like, is it the show not being careful or is it them just not like them personally being sloppy I mean, in the sh- universe. Several of the characters have said you're being extremely sloppy. Like, I mean, that, there you go. Yeah. The texting her being the same as phone, like a phone call is obvious uh-huh. and Hugh didn't realize or something. And like, but it was a burner. Um, yeah. But that's but the thing is like sloppy. mother's mother's milk is the guy that usually is saying this. And then they also outed him as being kind of like a uh, worry wart, OCD germaphobe, you know, yeah. some control freak. So it's like the the person that's telling them that they're being sloppy. The show is also telling me that they're unnecessarily neat and precise and controlling. So I, I don't know. I just wear a hat and sunglasses. Come on. They're doing a lot of stuff with like superhero identities and people not recognizing them when they're out of costume. Like, it's the Clark Kent thing, right? You take off the glasses, mm. suddenly you're Superman, you put them on, nobody fucking knows who you are. Um, in this, they're just like taking that a step further, it seems. Like they're they're just saying like, as long as these people aren't actually in their costumes at any given time, no one's going to notice who they are. Um, and I think you're right, they're playing fast and loose because they did earlier in, in previous season uh, have her in more of a disguise but also they're they're doing things like look the the life of a famous person someone of this level of fame mm-hmm. is not one where they're often given alone time and if they are given alone time it's it's locked up in a hotel room or it's locked up in their apartment or the official offices of Vought where where no one can reach them in this episode starlight or or sorry yeah um Maeve and Homelander have a conversation in the TV studio in a t- in a fucking television studio entirely mm. by themselves in a hallway uh, where no one else is. And that just mm. wouldn't happen in real life. Right. Yeah. They're playing fast and loose with the idea of like, what is the level of fame of these people in when they're in public, like when they're in their costumes, they're doing their superhero thing. That's when they get recognized when they're not. They're kind of out of it. And yeah, I, guess I wonder okay if they are. You might like I'm I'm going to be taking that into future episodes. Like, are they doing a Clark Kent? You know, it's ridiculous, right? Like the idea that Obviously. this buff dude can put on glasses and he's not Superman. Uh, yeah. It's 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 ridiculous to the point of parody. So maybe they are just leaning in on that. And then I they, they subvert so much other stuff, I, I thought. But but then they also like she gets a chance to do some daring do and. They're like, I guess she'd be recognized if she's Starlight out of costume doing Starlight stuff, though. I mean, obviously, if she starts finger blasting. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> whoa. Yeah, if she starts finger blasting uh-huh. all the, the people in the, the car wreck, if she starts doing her hand blasts or whatever, yeah, uh, that would be a problem. Blast, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Starlight comes and finger blasts you out of your El Camino. That's going to be a red letter <laughs> day for sure. <laughs> uh, Yeah. So, so there's a moment here where they're in the park and he gets this call and he says, Oh, I got to go. And she asks, what's up. And he's just like, I got to go where, where he's thinking about not telling her, right. Not cluing her in. And he stops himself in that moment and he turns around and he, he doesn't 
tell her what's happening, which is the thing he probably should do. Just be honest with her and let her deal with the the weight of the situation. Um, mm-hmm. But he, but he's he's catching himself doing that occasionally, and I like that. Right? It's it's a it's a precursor to growth, which he so desperately needs as a character. Um, and this this relationship will have to have that kind of growth if it's going anywhere. Um, so mm-hmm. I like that little moment, you know. It's not on the phone where he can just like say, uh, "Yeah, I'm good. Okay, uh, nothing. Right. Everything's fine here." Um, he tries to do that, and then he catches himself doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we move on to A Train, the fastest, uh, seeing the fastest man in the world, not not himself, getting onto the Vaude elevator. And he goes to Ashley to complain about it. And when he does, Homelander tells A-Train he's out of the seven because he's not fast enough. Yeah, this guy's, I guess, Shockwave. Was that, was he, I don't remember the first season. He I think that he one. was going to do a duel. Okay, then that, yeah. then he V'd up to beat him. Okay. Yep. Um, I, I, I like some of his light comedy they put in, like, you know, Vots for Tots, because apparently uh-huh. there's obese babies. He's like, shit, I love fat kids. Get me in there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like Homelander just dropping the boom on him and and saying like, you're not even like let's be honest, you're not even in the top twenty anymore, and it's an embarrassment. Like he mentioned the the not Madeline before that like the seven is just a, a chain of weak links, and he's starting mm-hmm. to rip him out. Uh, he's taking not Madeline's advice to heart, um, and it's uh, boy, what does A Train do? That's a Are damn good gonna- question. I'm wondering if like the boys is going to start swelling to hold some actual super powered people that are disaffected. Yeah. You know, like you get a train, you get like a washed up a train, you get a f- unbrainwashed the deep. You got uh, Kamiko and some of these others that maybe starlight versus. Yeah. So you got the, the underground bad guy outfit. That's actually the good guys versus the up in the class soaring clouds on tower 99. Good guys who are actually the bad guys. I think that would be an almost perfect. The boys type inversion mm-hmm. of your like, like, like uh, the comic book expectation. Yeah, I like it. Um, I also like this scene a lot. Uh, there, there's some unwritten stuff here that, that I think is going on uh, when at like a train calls bullshit on the whole situation. He's calling bullshit because he's personally offended that he'd be out of the seven, but there's a subtext here with Ashley saying, Oh, there'll be a huge outpouring of fan love and support. Like she's what she's really saying here is Vought's going to milk your retirement for every single fucking penny that it's worth. And, and making it seem like a golden parachute. Right. And they're they're just going to exploit the shit out of this. And yeah, mm-hmm. as a side effect, you'll get some adoration from fans and maybe make some more cash before you go uh, quietly off into obscurity. But like, right, that's the real thing that Vaught is doing here. And and yeah, I don't think A Train is calling bullshit on that, but he should be. Hmm. Uh. So we're on the drive to Raleigh, and Annie's tribute to Translucent is on every radio station. Except for one, which is playing Billy Joel, uh, and Annie and Huey have a sing-along, which M.M. pretty much puts a stop to. Are they old enough to... Because I was a kid when We Didn't Start the Fire came out, man. Uh-huh. Like, they're, I guess they're, they're, they're your age, uh, maybe even slightly younger. Did you have first-hand memory of We Didn't Start the Fire? Uh, I will say I don't know every word to We Didn't Start the Fire. Uh, and actually, if you get outside of the chorus, like I can go 
I know the the rhythm of the verse, but I don't know any of the words to any of the verses. I think it's I always thought it's funny that the thing like all of all the atrocities he rattles off, the thing that breaks him mentally uh, is rock and roll co- cola wars. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Ho Chi Minh, I'm high, yo, fine. I'll take that in stride. You know, Richard Nixon, Palestine, whatever. Fucking rock and roll a cola wars. <laughs> this new Coke shit. I had it. I had it. Burn it, it all down. It feels on theme, <laughs> remarkably on theme, though, for this show. Like, you've got a. Right. A, you've got a brand new. A superhero coming in to fuck up the the mojo of the seven and she's doing it with subversion and anger and pissing people off about their pop culture right like oh yeah and it's it's so fucking true to life it is so on point like this episode is hitting a lot of sore points for me um yeah there's some Uh stuff here in quarantine where i'm like oh fuck this is just feeling too real and this pop Mm -hmm. culture war that we've got going on that's extending to every side of everything where you either love or hate the thing and anybody in the middle can get fucked is like mm-hmm. right on the money. And now that you mention it, that Billy Joel song with the rock and roll cola wars, the <laughs> thing that breaks him, you know, maybe not in 1981 or whenever the fuck that song came out, but now, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, they 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 uh, have new Coke Zero, and I'm right. That's it. That's where I it's flip. Done. That's where I, I I I head to the Appalachians and start my my <laughs> career as revolutionary, probably martyr. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm heading to the foothills, and I'm never seen again. Um, yeah, but man. yeah, I, I but it's a, it's also like I guess it's one of those kids met things where he's clearly way into Billy Joel, or Billy Joel speaking to him, and it's kind of like you know she's kind of into Billy Joel. They're uh, both squares, yeah. I, I can. It's it's cute. It is, and and fuck him in for harshing the the vibe here. Like, let him have some fun. Like, On the other hand, yeah, like being the third wheel in the situation where you already have been calling bullshit from the beginning. It's like, no man, it's cool. Let her come. She'll be fun. She's a she's a good co pilot. Whatever. And they're just canoodling, and you're sitting here can't listen to music because they're having a conversation. Bullshit. Let them, As let also them do their thing. Uh, Jesus, it's it's a three-minute song. Come on. Oh well, you see, he's he knows what to lead into, and I also like the nice touch of them driving past a Homelander with the Confederate flag. Yeah, uh, instead of the star, you know, he's got the stars and bars rather than stars and stripes. It's a couple of chilling. things. Yeah, like that that Confederate flag instead of the American flag, which is his normal cape, uh, and then that billboard. Did you see that about the? Uh, you know, what does yes, it say? That, the, that baby you abort might be a super, which right. now after the compound V reveal takes on a whole nother context, right? Like, sure. It's so fucked up to have it's a in a world like, okay, first of all, there's 0% chance, right? That you're now going to have a soup baby unless you right. fuck a soup. Because it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And even then, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if that guy was super out of the womb, if it like works that way. You know, she oh, got pregnant. Oh, Ryan, and she, yeah, no, she got pregnant. Yeah. Like the story they told us, she she got pregnant. She ran to Vought because she didn't know what to do. Good point. Well, you know, so are we in, are we certain that this is heritable or is it more you know compound V fuckery? But yeah, that's a really good point. It's but but yeah, even before you, that reveal, mm-hmm. I, I think it's more fucked up before the reveal because here mm-hmm. the implication is there are going to be you put up a billboard like this there're going to be a lot of people who are fucking playing the lottery here 
with kids they mm-hmm. might not want to have. And oh god, yeah. Th- there's there's nothing worse than a parent who doesn't want to have the child, right? Resents the child. Right. Like they're not going to get right. a good upbringing. Uh and there would be plenty of people seeing their kids like <laughs> plenty of people right now see their kids as the way out of their their shitty life, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now, if if Two they were dreams, literally yeah. a lottery that it, that they were playing, um, maybe you'll have a soup baby. That's wow, that's dark. Yeah, maybe you will give birth to Superman. And also, there's another context of this billboard is still up after it's been revealed that no one is born a super. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like this missing for like the pa- the fact that if you bought if so like are people who are anti-abortion in this universe more likely to not believe that V like, is there going to be some V truthers that like, Oh, this is a whole bunch of bullshit. Nah, supers are born, not made. It's God's will. And it all just kind of rolls in. Like, instead of like each thing being its own belief that can be separable, it's all just rolls into this, you know, uh, worldview and lifestyle that like an attack on one part of it's an attack on all. So like, yeah. hell no, nah, V's not real because if, if V's real, then you, you couldn't board a super. And I saw the bill that uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. which rolls it right back into that. <laughs> fuck them. If they're not a hundred percent with me. Mentality. Exactly. Exactly. It's a uh, cuckoo for coconuts. Um, yeah. And it is uncomfortably close to what, well, it, it's actually, yeah. What, what happens in the real world. And I'm not even going to exempt yeah. my side. Uh, sure. uh, like I, we, we have our share of fucking chuckleheads that can't, uh, from first principles, argue morality on our side that scared the shit out of me too. Right. Unfortunately, none of them have any of the levers of power in their hands or I guess, fortunately. So yeah. <sighs> these homelanders with Confederate flags though, whole other thing. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. So we go back to a, a woman being interviewed. She tells the story of the lovers of Valdaro. I, I didn't quite catch it, and I didn't look it up. Um, this probably is a real thing. Some skeletons who died with their arms around each other. Uh, and she's, oh, yeah. She's saying, you know, she doesn't believe in if you love someone, you should set them free. No, if you love someone, you should, you will never let them go, ever. Uh, this is Cassandra. This is the woman mm-hmm. that they pick for him, uh, for the deep, to, to be his yes. wife. This is ominous. You know, like, this should be the warning sign, the red flag. I mean... Look, there's 50 million of them. As as someone you know who's familiar with the way cults operate, there, he's seen 25 of these red flags already. Yep. Right? This yep. is a big one. Though. Yep. This is the tornado oh, yeah. alarm going off, saying, "Get to your fucking shelter, man." Because um, yeah, just this know, overly attached girlfriend bull. Yeah, this overly attached girlfriend bullshit's a red flag. The fact that it's wrapped into some kind of cult breeding program. Um, yeah. Which I think they're trying to sketch like what's widely rumored to have been the case with Tom Cruise. Have you read some of the conspiracy theories about Tom, like Tom Cruise's love life and like that a lot of these are essentially Scientology arranged marriages to help him with his career and to cross pollen, like, you know, the the maximum cultural impact and the the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I've heard so much stuff about Scientology, 90 percent of which I know is true, Mm -hmm. that some of the margins I'm kind of like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? You know, it's kind of like say uh, anything about him at this point right right like there's there's certain there's certain institutions and personalities that get to a point bill simmons used to call it the mike tyson zone like a mike tyson just showed up with that full face tattoo it's like that's the point where it's like if you heard in the morning mike tyson you know uh broke into the brooklyn zoo and killed a gorilla with his bare hands like uh-huh. would you actually take the time to research it or would you be like yeah that sounds about right 
yeah. I, I feel like that that's that's where we're at with this situation. It's like there's almost nothing that I wouldn't believe uh, about him. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but but definitely they this this is all about getting your hooks into someone right and never letting them go. And that's what Colts do. That's what this woman is professing is the the. Of the height of relationships is never letting someone go no matter what. Yeah, uh, scary. Yeah. All right, then Butcher climbs the wall to get to Becca's house. Very quick scene. And then Frenchie visits a special lady friend of his. Uh, after the sex, they talk about what happened with Kamiko, and she thinks that he's using Kamiko for some kind of absolution of his sins and advises that he just let her grieve. Uh, he doesn't want her to grieve alone, though, which... I don't know. I, I can kind of understand, but also she needs to come to you if she needs somebody to grieve with. Yeah, it's interesting because like, what does grieving alone do for anybody? Well, it does a lot for some people. And the bottom line is it's that person's business. You can't just like blunder in yeah. with your preferred method of, you know, getting fucked up and high and converting your grief into sex energy. Mm-hmm. You can't expect that to work for everybody. Uh, but this guy, you know, can't and it's this this late i think her name was marshmallow did i hear that right oh i i didn't even catch her name because i think she's i think she, is she some kind of soup uh she i don't uh, know she's special seemed, her power being super soft like what? i <laughs> she stays puff uh she, you know what she seems like do you remember that the band of like hacker adjacent lowlifes that knocked on Neo's door for the, 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 his own personal Jesus ship? She uh, looks like some random person in that guy's entourage. Sure. Has she got superpowers? Is she just a goth? I don't know. I, I was um, thinking but maybe she's, like uh, she 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 this person auditioned for both uh, Marina Baccarin's role in Firefly and also for the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and like lost out on both of them but that's just uh-huh. you know her lifestyle and now she's marshmallow uh-huh. um but yeah no there is like there's some kind something in her affect where she's like really it's heavy going trying to get this guy lead this guy along to some kind of emotional breakthrough like she's kind of like borderline exasperated with yeah. how like literal he's being and you know um but uh i i it's I don't know what to think about Frenchie. I did want to go back. I did not realize that Becca is essentially living on a Vought compound, mm-hmm. um, like a walled city, something like that. I did not. Yeah. I I didn't get that. I thought she lived in some kind of just like tucked away neighborhood, but apparently her and Ryan just live in total isolation. Like there's a, mm-hmm. she's allowed out because he can go to see a piano teacher and all this other stuff. But like, it does seem like a very lonely existence, which if I had re- caught on to that before I would have maybe given a little bit more weight to what Homelander was trying to do with Ryan, where he's trying to like, you know, uh, we're just have a lonely lifestyle kid. You know, it's like no one can relate to us. Yeah. yeah. But it's because of the circumstance, not because of the intrinsic truth of what he's saying. Yeah. There's some, super interesting stuff I think to talk about when it comes to that. And we'll, we'll get there in some upcoming scenes. Um, um. But for now we go back over to uh, a roadside diner where MM and Starlight share dessert based stories about their fathers. Uh, and on their way out, a car accident happens right in front of them. And Annie wants to help the people involved, but MM and Hugh convince her that it would draw too much attention. So they just take off. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's like it's it's pretty it's pretty funny stories. 
Um, uh-huh. I kept on like thinking as Mother's Milk was telling stories about his father, like because at some point, like Huey and and Starlight were giving him significant looks. That I think is just them being impressed at him sharing. But I was getting the idea of like, is he telling tall tales? Like, are some of these stories not literally true about his dad? But I, I don't. I after the second time, I, I'm off of that theory. But I want to see if you thought that like. We think we're getting a lot about Mother, but is he telling the actual unvarnished truth, or is he telling something that is designed to get Starlight to do the thing he wants Starlight to do? Is it designed to get uh, the lady whose brother was killed by Liberty to trust him? Um, But I don't think that's the case. No, I think it's a fair question to ask. Um, I wasn't getting that impression, and I hope that's not the case, because I do want some character development from M.M. other than just, like, want to get back to my family. Uh, yeah, at some point they kind of stop subverting things and tell a fucking story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the characters will just be parodies of themselves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see if that's actually true. Or we won't. Uh, so Butcher gets Becca's attention and they drive out to a secluded spot for a tearful reunion. Becca reveals that she convinced Homelander not to hurt him by threatening to kill herself and tell her son that it was Homelander's fault if he did that. Mm-hmm. Uh Butcher wants to help her escape, so they plan for her to sneak out in a garbage truck sometime soon. Kind of nebulous. And she has to get back, but tells him to wait there for her. Yeah, I thought this was weird, too. The pacing of all this. The fact that, like, uh, she's going to leave him here, but she'll be right back. And I don't know. I I thought it... (laughs) Really? As someone who's had clandestine relationships before uh, as a teen... This feels so, so much like that. Like, I'm going to sneak out wrong. for a cigarette. But, it, you know, it's not a cigarette when you're a teen, right? It's like, oh, right. I'm going to meet my friend at the mall or sure, sure, sure. whatever. I'm going to do do whatever you you got to say to make it work. And then, like, I can see you for three minutes here. And then, like, you know, stay here for it, it, a, it, two hours and I'll be back and we can see each other for another 12 minutes. Like, that kind of thing felt right. It just doesn't work for me because I just feel like Becca, like she's wired for sound and camera, like the idea that they wouldn't have a tracker on her vehicle or there's not a hidden mic in her vehicle or it just felt like she's on his maximum security with like one of the most expensive clandestine uh, assets in Vought's inventory and they're just going to let her fuck around and act suspicious like how many totally middle fair, of the night yeah. smokes does she do back to back ever? And like, there's nobody watching and be like, Hey, you know, there might be uh, some kind of weird shit going on here. Um, yeah. I don't know that, but, but that's maybe not fair uh, to the show. Cause it, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be increasingly hard in the coming years to tell a story of someone like breaking out of jail yeah. or evading cops in a city with facial recognition that drones can use from a mile away. Like, you know, like the way that cell phones have destroyed some very common plot contri- contrivances. Mm-hmm. This shit, it's like anyone having a clandestine meeting away from Big Brother is going to seem ridiculous in like five years time, it feels like. Oh, but yeah. I feel it's like not if fair you're writing, to the show to do that. If you're writing future fiction right now, you have to be thinking of ways to tell stories where no one has any privacy whatsoever and can be found yeah. at a, a moment's notice uh, mm-hmm. wherever they are. Um by almost it's one of the more ridiculous things us going through and rewatching Star Trek on our blocks is like the sheer amount of times that people just to go to get away with hiding on the ship. <laughs> right. like, come on, yeah. you know, uh, it's uh, like that would never happen. 
or, or the the lack of AI, you know, like the the lack of automation, the lack mm. of like so many things that we see are trends now that are going to continue and accelerate. You got to be right. thinking about that writing future fiction now. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I, I mean, you're right. It is kind of insane that they wouldn't be able to suss this out. Uh. But I, I'm look. Part of me is happy for Butcher. Part of me is like, why should I give a fuck? This guy hurts everyone around him. Um, and I'm kind of glad that that eats its own tail by the end of this thing, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They have that reunion, but also it's bittersweet because she knows that mm-hmm. the reunion is temporary. And, you know, he was fucked up before they met and nothing has changed about that. And now she's got and it's got to be bigger stakes. It's got it's got to be such a blow to butcher that she prefers status quo with the Homelander to the oh, certainty God. she thinks that if she goes off with her on the road with him that he'll murder her her son at some point uh-huh. you know like wow yeah yeah you i didn't even think about it from that angle it's wow fucked up uh okay mm and hugh share a room for the night when mm falls asleep huey sneaks out to meet annie at the vending machine they talk about candy bars mm mm's ocd and their own stress symptoms for a while and they end up back in her room where they bone down. Another hateful Almond Joy scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Charleston Chews get a little bit of, uh, become a punching bag and so do a bit of honey. I mean, uh, I'll cop the bit of honey being old people candy. Like, I like it because sure. it was, it was, it was part of something my my grandparents used to have around. Uh, I still like it. I still yeah, like I it. I like where there's original, joy. like quintessential old person candy. I don't give a shit. It tastes good. You know, on the way uh, uh, to picking up my son for the night, I'm going to stop by a gas station, get us both Almond Joys. How you like that, boys? Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've done the opposite of shame me. I'm, I'm even more emboldened in my disgusting candy tastes. <laughs> what's, what's the uh, cow tails? Is that? Is that the... I mean, here's the thing. You got circus peanut. Why? As long as people are buying and consuming circus peanuts, why yeah. are we wasting time shaming anyone yeah. with a coconut milk chocolate almond fetish? Or like peeps. Yes. Throw yes. those in the they, fucking they, river. They have. They, they, they tried to make. They, they, speaking of compound V, did you see these sriracha peeps this spring? No. Who that wanted Tabasco? Awful. Who wanted Tabasco infused peeps? Yeah, man. I mean, peeps get are that, just get, a. A, a stunt candy at this point, right? Like get get pe- yeah, you get peeps and you get you get circus peanuts off the market. I'll entertain what we should do about Charleston shoes. But this is like, you know, worrying about Tide Pods while people are drinking Drano. Like, come on. Pe- peeps business model at this point is to get people to post pictures of their bullshit flavors on Instagram and throw the garbage candy in the trash. They still have mm. to buy them to take the picture, so I think Peeps is still the only candy that can actually expire, and it's the only candy that expires within a week. Like, you maybe <laughs> can make an hard. argument that, like, well, hey, it's it's a sugar encrusted marshmallow. How bad can it be? That argument goes out the windows five days into that Peeps lifestyle because they turn into <laughs> bricks. They turn into sand. They turn into oddly shaped sanding blocks within a week. So do circus peanuts, man. Like those Jeez, two yeah. Fuck they're both. just packing material that, that we've been tricked into eating. Yeah. Not wrong. Uh, I didn't know Starlight could control lights with her powers. Am I like? Have they shown that she controls electricity? I feel like and they stuff? they might have done something in a dog and pony with her last, where she can do that. Like she can turn light on and off. Um, 
But I don't know. I was actually when her eyes started glowing in like conjunction with bedtime. I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting. Some super powered sex. Like, uh-huh. holy fuck. You got to go back butt, to like uh, Steve, Steve Gutenberg and Cocoon before, since the last time I saw one of these jobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, she's a turn on. Well, it's weird. She turns off the lights and says, I still want to see you. Oh, well, then why'd you down. turn the lights? She, oh, yeah, I thought they were off. No. I thought they were shooting like, you know, the Hollywood, like you're supposed to understand that this is a pitch black room. Yeah. So. Uh, no, I, I think she just turned him down. So. All right. Uh, another woman is being interviewed and she thinks the love is about faith. She tells the story of getting an edge here and tattoo for her boyfriend who two weeks later broke up with her. And so now, well, I, I think she always hated Ed Sheeran, but now she hates him even more. Now she's not in love with the shape of him. That's yep. Permanently tattooed on his arm. And, uh, you know, remarkably for a, an organization that purports to be a church, they do not care about having a wife who thinks that faith is the, the foundational building block of relationship. You should be taking note of that as well. The deep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, red flags. Yep. Ed Shereen, red flag. So then Becca returns to the bridge with her and Butcher, uh, where her and Butcher strip down and get in, get it on in her car. Afterward, Butcher asks how she's holding up and she tells him all about Ryan. She says that she heard he was on a warpath against Homelander and he promises that he'll make all of this up to her until the day he dies. Uh, this, this is where stuff gets interesting because I think like what he's hearing here is her, um, her asking about how he's doing and when he asks how she's doing it's not it's not asking how she's holding up personally in this it's how like like under homelander in captivity like this is about to her this is about raising ryan and being a mother right like that's the defining thing about her life now not being Mm -hmm. a captive under homelander which is the defining thing to butcher Mm -hmm. Uh, they're, they're kind of talking past each other this was a really rewarding thing to do on rewatch is that like, uh, cause honestly my reaction when she accuses him of like being anti Ryan is like, I don't know if this is fair, but like, it's all on his face when she yeah. tries to like, she at one point in the conversation turns it into trying to sell him on Ryan. Oh, he's such a good kid and he's, he's happy and he's kind and he's thoughtful and he's just kind of like, yeah, sure, babe. Uh-huh. And you can see that he's just not connecting and not liking. Then I and I completely didn't get that the first time through. Um, so it's a really, really good performance too by Carl Urban of this guy who's like, "This is what he wants." He just, oh man, if there's anything, if there's anything I can do about this kid, I got to get my wife out from under this. He, he sees that as part of the Homelander situation, right? Yeah. Do you yeah. think they're going to do anything weird? Like it turns out that this kid actually is butcher's kid that they've pumped full of compound v i don't know because i find myself in this scene asking the question where does butcher go from here because he doesn't he doesn't have becca that he needs to you know uh help help make up for the mistakes that he's made before he he doesn't have the goal of i think taking revenge on homelander anymore for killing her so like what do they do with him and and homelander can't really kill him yet because right. there's still this threat of Becca killing herself if you know Homelander does that um, now that could change if Homelander is able to win the loyalty of Ryan 
uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the next X or amount feels, of time. Or, or gets bored and feels like that's not worth it anymore, and he's no longer afraid sure. of the, what the kid thinks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know what they're going to do with Butcher. I guess he might just disappear again, like we talked about. Uh, and then come or he back might go to needed. a team that has a little bit more supers on it, and he learns that, like, you know, not all supers are created e- equal. There are people like Starlight that, like, are just like any other human, yeah. has their good qualities and their bad qualities. And, like, they, they, there's a natural arc that him and Becca could go back to being compatible, but he's got to do some personal growth about his personal vendetta and yeah. his feelings about it. Because the other thing is, like, it's a, a, put aside the Ryan shit, this this guy who's single-mindedly going after Homelander is a guy, he's he's courting death. Oh, yeah. That's no life for uh, a person trying to raise a kid. Fuck no. that. So even if he didn't have a personal hard-on against Ryan, just the, his his foolhardy way, way of life to, to try to punish Homelander, she just, like, you know, like, she, I think she says something like, this thing that you've got started before me, yeah. and I can't fix it. Like, he has to resolve that. And I don't know whether that's going to look like him killing Homelander, which seems crazy, or him getting over it. Mm. All right, there's a real quick scene the next day when Annie and Huey are are making eyes at each other in the car. M.M.'s not too thrilled with it. Um, And then we go back to Homelander and Maeve going on the in-depth talk show with Maria Menounos. Uh, Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see this when I finally go back to a theater right. in a, a year from now. <laughs> uh, they ask about the diversity within Vought, and that prompts Homelander to out Maeve as a lesbian, revealing that he knows everything about Elena. And when Maeve gets defensive, he wishes her and Elena luck, but neither Maeve nor us as an audience is buying this from Homelander. Hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't think another... I wasn't. What, what was your feeling on that? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean... <laughs> Well, here's the thing, like, maybe he's being sincere, but sincere in a way that Homelander could change his mind on yeah. a whim. It's not like any kind of lasting thing because he doesn't have any kind of, like, bedrock moral principles. It's whatever is best for him or his own self-image. And and maybe, maybe he wants to be the bigger man and decide that, like, he's over all this and he needs still needs an ally on the seven. But that is... Not because he's a good dude. It's just because that's the way the personal calculus has worked out in his mind. Um, yeah. But I know it's it's another thing that they've reworked to like the Oscar's so white. Um, you know, that's, and I, 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 I thought this was fascinating because like in this universe, what kind of hay did white supremacists make over the fact that the disproportionately superpowered people came from white households? And that the most powerful. Like there had... There had to be a lot of New York Times opinion pieces and think pieces just asking questions, you know, right. Just right. Uh, these blessings are all genetically deal that why is it that some race gets a hell of a lot more? And why are, you know, Latino and Asians like less than one percent? Um, and now that's all shattered right now that it's it's an orchestrated uh thing right 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 so now it's like uh it's 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 well it's as as life turns out to be it's 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 not life isn't racist it's the systems the built around them right um but uh that's it it's it's going to be interesting and then you know you could all follow that up as like uh what's that say about a corporation currently held by uh a a, a man who's a minority himself mm-hmm uh, you know, it's kind of like, oh, what well, if a black cop shoots a black person? Is it is that racist? Well, yeah. If the cops working for a racist system, like <laughs> there's all kinds of things that don't 
that don't quite jive with like a common sense understanding of it. But I, I sure. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting lens to to look through, like our current culture. You know, you just make it, you just just heighten some absurd thing about it, and then I don't know. I, I almost think it's like in another like five years ago, would this allowed or ten years ago, this allowed culture to take a step back and evaluate some of these things in kind of a safe way, or is it now? That's the thing, man. You you say like, oh, heighten this this aspect of our real culture. I don't. I think look. The boys goes for shock value. The boys goes over the top and they try and heighten everything. I think they're going to have a damn hard time heightening any yeah. kind of racism uh, in this show. I think yeah. our culture at this point has gotten to a place where parodying, lampooning, like over exaggerating the, the problems of racism in our society is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're going to need you're going to need Stormfront to go a hell of a lot farther than she's gone already is what I'm right. saying. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to what they try and do with that. I mean, cause at least she was, she was at least chasing an actual dangerous person down. Like what if she was just in the wrong building across town and killed all those people in a racist manner for, you know, not even a pretext. I mean, like, it's, it's Brianna. They Taylor could have done that. And it would have been like, I, right. That's what I'm saying. They like, that's not as absurd as some of the things that's happened this year. Right. Right. I don't yeah. know what they can do to, to say, Hey, we're being absurd. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a good point. And it's it, the absurdity. Also, like I, I, I do wonder, there's going to be a lot of people, I think watching this show, um, for very, you know, just the same way that there's a lot of white supremacists to watch American History X, and they just unironically idolatrize Ed Norton's performance. Yeah, like there's going like I wouldn't surprise me if you don't start seeing you know racist groups with Homelander merchandise and stuff, Stormfront merchandise, logos and things. Like why not? Absolutely. You know, like the 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 fucked up branches of the police have adopted the Punisher, even though the Punisher is explicitly. Like the Punisher would kill you, dudes. The Punisher would be the first one to hunt down everyone, every cop that's got a Punisher skull mm-hmm. tattoo on his gun arm. Like that's who he is, man. Like, yeah. ah, yeah, yeah. It's, you just co-opt the parody and make it into your self-image and keep rolling. Sure. All right. Uh, Homelander sees Stormfront on the news, riling up her protest crowd, and Kamiko shows up at that protest, ready to kill her, but Frenchie distracts her long enough that she misses her shot. Uh, I frankly, I don't think Kamiko could take on Stormfront in any way. I think Frenchie is right here. Uh, he's he saved her life in that moment. But yeah, she's she's pissed and she's going to make some mistakes, I'm sure. And it's another thing where he is trying to countermand the thing that she wants to do again, probably for the right reasons. But this is not going to endear him to Kamiko. I do not think. No, uh, he's got a lot. And and he's got a lot of growing up to do before he can even get to the place where that that's going to happen. So I, I, is this going to be the slowest of all burn relationships? I, I almost yeah. feel like one of these two has to die at the end of the season because this, this show, I can't imagine has the patience to turn this into something that would be, uh, worth getting invested in. Right. And, and will they do that with every character? Right. It's like, Oh, are they going to redeem? Yeah, you're right. You know, butcher, are they going to get Annie and Huey together? And then are they also going to do it with Frenchie? They're going to pair off MM with, right. you know, his family. I, 
Who knows? Because it's a perfect, it's a perfectly valid story to tell that like, you know, good, fundamentally good people sometimes do bad things and they pay a cost for it that yeah. keeps them from doing the being happy, you know, like Butcher might not have a game plan to be happy going forward, but maybe, you know, like maybe one or two, like, like mother's milk. I want to, I really, he's the one person I'm invested in. Like, I want to see this man reunited with his wife and, and, and kids. Yeah. Like he seems like the most pure uh good guy of the boys and I'm I'm really hoping but you're probably right like trying to th- get a, a happy ending for everybody in the boys is is not yeah not, we haven't not, seen the boys in the really cards. pay too many costs yet um other I, people have paid the prices yeah 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 um but th- they've got to start paying prices and that's going to mean you know severe consequences uh all right mm makes it to the address that he got from butcher and Smooth talks his way into the good graces of the woman in the house with a story about his father campaigning against Fod until the day he died. Uh, she talks about a payoff that she took when her brother was killed by Liberty, uh, who she claims is actually unaged and living as Stormfront. Dun, dun, dun. And Did you off- think that Liberty sounded like Stormfront in the flashback? Slightly. Like on second watch, I definitely was looking for that. And yeah ish mm, i i was kind of looking for it and i thought nah ish but okay. you know it's maybe <laughs> right. m- might be one of those laurel yanni things where right yeah it's definitely her in a voice box but she's giving like a slightly different performance or more old-timey performance i don't i don't know she's wearing a black dress right it's black and gold uh or was yeah, it white, I, you know, white and i didn't get a good look at it i i when when you I, asked I me i just realized i was i was oh vision the dress oh. thing or whatever you see yeah <laughs> okay okay i got it because i was like oh man i don't know what she looks like i can just think of the cartoon <laughs> image of her holy shit uh so on the drive home they they try to make sense of what they've just learned and huey tells him that his father was a hero but mm thinks it was just his his ocd and his maniacal uh rage against the the vault machine yeah, the got him killed, might get him killed, might get his kids killed. Uh, yeah, I wonder, uh, yeah, what is MMM's, MMM's backstory? How did Vought screw him over? How did his father fight back? Those are going to be, I imagine we'll get the answer to all that. Yeah. Um, I, I do wonder, uh, they're trying to, you know, make sense of all that. Do they, have they considered the possibility that this is like Stormfront's daughter? Or, or sorry, mm. Liberty's daughter is Stormfront. Um I mean, yeah, the idea it, of a superhero that doesn't age is pretty powerful. Like, if your superpower could just be patience, uh, that might be an interesting, interesting. thing. You know, you're, you, you mentioned that it could be their daughter rang a bell because several characters have mentioned that Ryan is the spitting image of Homelander, which I don't buy. Yeah. I don't think he particularly looks like Anthony Starr, but He's like the in universe hair, are telling. Yeah, in universe are telling is the spitting image of Homelander. So I wonder if you're supposed to like use that clue on this mystery and think like, instead of like, Oh, there's an immortal super out there. It's like, yeah, it's just a daughter. And um, it's crazy to me. Cause like, you know, very similarly to how I didn't see the shapeshifter coming and I absolutely mm-hmm. should have, I have mm-hmm. never, even though Homelander and Ryan exist as father and son soups, I have been assuming that Ryan is somehow the first soup baby, which is almost impossible, right? If soups have been around since World War One, 
or World War II at the very latest. Like, oh, born there's soup no baby? way yeah. that this is the first soup baby. How how has this not become a thing? And you just be clear, you're not saying soup because literally we saw soup babies last season. You're saying genetically someone came out of the bo- uh, uh, womb, yeah. sans v, super. born okay. as a soup because they had yeah. you know sex with a superhero. Yeah, like, just genetic, super genetics. Yeah, yeah. Ryan can't be the first. There's no way. Um, but I don't know. I felt like the show was trying to tell me that. Also, I really dug uh, Mother's Milk's vintage Black Panther T-shirt in these scenes. Very, very cool. Did he have one? Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, people's uh, is is the the people uh, people's public food program. Uh, that's that's how the Black Panthers got started. Uh, trying to feed kids school lunches to underprivileged huh. uh, uh, school districts. It's the more you know. Then they started carrying guns, and then Ronald Reagan, governor of California, banned open carry because you can't let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, powerful black people with weapons. Sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Homelander scrolls through the seven memes online uh, and he's pissed and he goes to Stormfront and claims that she that he's still the best soup and no one's going to take what he built. And she tries to teach him a lesson on how to connect with his audience, mostly through the radicalization of his fans. But he's not interested in her advice. Did you think I think they could have done a little bit better with the Homelander browsing memes? Some of them were okay, mm-hmm. but some of those memes were some weak ass shit that like the writer's room, I think uh, that would have been the fun part of the the week of that. Like, hey, let's yeah. come up with a bunch of anti-Homelander and pro-Stormfront memes in today's meme lexicon. Oh, yeah. But they were mostly kind of weak sauce, uh, mm-hmm. which to be fair, a lot of d- memes are dumb shit anyway. And if you're just pounding them like Homelander is, you're going to get some duds. But I don't know. I, I was like wanting to. I, I went. I started freeze framed like, oh, this is going to be a real treat. Like all these. And no, they're not really. They're just literally Damn. someone said, download a couple memes off of Reddit, the front page of Reddit, and then just literally rework them into Homelander shit. Uh, yeah. It's a bummer. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was there literally like the guy with his girlfriend looking back? Yes. At Stormfront? That, and okay. that's one of the better ones. And that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's the most obvious one, you know? Right. Like uh, they didn't, but you know, they could have had Kermit drinking tea. Stormfront's a better people's hero than, than home, the Homelander, but that's none of my business. Like, come uh-huh. on. They're, 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 they're easy. Stormfront's better than Homelander. Change my mind. Like that kind yeah, of thing. exactly. Yeah. Get Steven Crowder's ass out there. Exactly. Sure. Uh, so the other thing is like, she's also got this psychosexual thing because she, she taunts him until he says, I start shining. And then she backs down and says she can offer help. And then says, you know, when he goes, I don't need your help as well. My door is open. And she's like, for anything, wink, wink, come over to my court sailor. Uh, Mm. if you got a storm, I, I, do you think that, uh, I don't know. Are they going to kill each other? Fuck. I, frankly, I'm asking myself why he hasn't killed her already. Uh, I, I don't know, honestly, what he needs with any of the seven at this point. Um, How would they explain that? <laughs> that's the thing. Other than like, oh, it would hurt his public image. Why right. doesn't he just murder a bunch of soups? Yeah, if, if she ever gets assigned to go to the Homelander to take down a super terrorist or a super villain, I would be on high alert if I were her because yeah. the idea you're going to go missing in action is pretty high. Mm-hmm. And a tribute for you being sung by Starlight and pretext for uh, ever broadening war. 
Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Uh, so Becca comes back to the bridge where Butcher is and tells him that she's not leaving uh, this compound because she doesn't believe the Butcher wants to be a father to her son. Uh, he lets slip his true feelings about her super freak son. And she says he's too angry and too fragile to trust, essentially, uh, and leaves after warning him that she has called in the guards. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a lot already, but like, holy shit, you know, he it's so surface level that just her essentially asking like a question like you're going to try to uh, off this kid within, you know, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of his life. And he's like, oh, well, why do you even care about that soup powered shit? Voight, baby, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> yeah, he just can't help himself. Like it's it's yeah. not buried at all. It's It was right there at the surface. And she's completely right. And mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 unfortunate. And, it, and then she even makes it clear that it, it's not even about like, even if we get past a Ryan thing, you are just fucked in the head like you know you're going to if it's if 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 homelander's dead and ryan's fine you're going to get you're going to get a gun pulled at you in some walmart parking lot on black friday because you're just crazy you've got an overdeveloped sense of justice and retribution and i think she's got him dead to rights absolutely uh black noir and the tech find butcher going over the fence very quick scene there Mm -mm. and then annie and huey say goodbye after their road trip and he says they can't get together again because they can't afford to feel good or safe uh, in this world where they're all alone. She's she's getting super jaded. Uh, he was disappointed, obviously. You, another- you know, because hmm. I mentioned that these relationships mirror each other. This is a way for Huey and Butcher to connect. Their women both have reject, both yeah. essentially rejected them because of their involvement in this outfit and that shared sacrifice Man. might be... I could see a drinking episode where they get some, sh- you know, work through some shit, maybe. They'd have to be mind-bendingly drunk, just blackout. <laughs> like, for Butcher to ever reveal anything of himself to Huey, like, because Butcher views Huey as this beta cuck, like, fucking... He, right you know he's a a child uh mm-hmm. in butcher's mind i there's no way he's gonna open up to him unless unless he's blind drunk then maybe yeah. and then you it's can start to build a relationship for, from there yeah it's something they both have in common you're you're not wrong yeah absolutely um another shot fired almond joy with this john wayne casey comment <laughs> used to hand those out to kids <laughs> Yeah, now I'm a fucking mass murderer psycho. God, yep. that's like, I like coconut and almonds, all right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then this we're all alone. Uh, that's the truth. It doesn't have to be like that. This episode is really hitting home in this moment of isolation here in this pandemic. It's like, Jesus Christ, we're, we're so divided. We're so f- physically and, and ideologically divided. Come on, people. Mm. Uh, then there's the the final interview with another woman who says she's very uh, a very sexual feminist. It's revealed that these interviews are for the purpose of picking the deep's new church wife, and he chooses the sexual feminist. Unfortunately, Carol insists it has to be the one with the skeleton story, Cassandra, because it serves his goal of getting back into the seven. I loved how this reveal of what it is and like the deep's reactions like, well, case, let's let's cancel all the other interviews. Like we found the one right here, uh-huh. right here. Look at this woman. She's made of compound V and sex, apparently. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah, she's like, no, it's Cassandra. Are you, are you talking about Cassandra with the hair and the skeletons? Ah, it's it's fun. And like, yeah, I thought I got to choose. Oh, you do. It's just you're making this choice, and it's culty as fuck. Oh god. Um, yeah. How is this going to get them back into the seven? I mean, this, like I said, this is very know. broadly, very broadly, uh, a pastiche of Scientology bullshit. Yeah. Um, and it feels like because I can't imagine that that's just such a, a you know heart goes out to people affected by Scientology, but uh, it's not nearly as high stakes as some of the other stuff they're doing when it comes to like government, you know, uh, fuckery and invasions of privacy and systemic racism yeah, yeah. and with the interf- and the how personal bias and prejudice reinforce those things. Like then you got. Like this sketch with uh, Scientology and Patton Oswalt singing gills. Like I feel like it's permanently the deep is just comic relief. Uh, yeah, so far. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know how they spin this, and because like there's he's not going to make the seven again. Although I guess I could see a lot of the, the hmm. more seven people dying. A train's already out, right? And and I think. It's kind of key that Homelander has some kind of psychological. The deep is leverage loyal to over him. the deep, right? Yes, he, he's able yes. to constantly hammer him into whatever shape he wants him in, and I think that's important. Yeah, he to owns Homelander. him. Yeah, so I think maybe, you're right. Maybe. Uh, speaking of Homelander, he goes to see Madeline again, but he is not in the mood for any of her old tricks, and he claims he doesn't need anyone of it but himself. So Doppelganger turns into Homelander and offers to suck himself off. Uh, Homelander calls him pathetic, and kills him, now claiming he doesn't need anyone at all. You know, I this this thing had me going the whole time because like every single thing that happened, I'm like, I I might see Anthony Starr suck Anthony Starr's dick. I might. Hey, man, I might. It's within not? this house. It's within the perf- performance envelope of this show. Uh, it's why. Yeah, it's it's. It's some wild shit. The, the, the uh, moment he just, turns into Homelander and he's still in that negligee mm-hmm, <laughs> and he's saying, mm-hmm. you're like what you see. I, With the gold I earrings. It's hilarious. It's really funny. And I wonder, do you... <sighs> Andy Starr is hard. He's got this way of performing like at three different levels. And I honestly didn't know how close he was to being tempted because yeah, he yeah. is a raging narcissist, which... Uh-huh. literally is named after this Greek mythology figure that fell in love with their own reflection to the point that they wasted away and died or became planted as a tree or something because they couldn't tear them away. So like it's, it's super on uh brand for him to want to, I don't know. And I can, I can see the battle going on in his head because he's also a homophobe. <laughs> so like, and then how and Madeline's he like, this not, is, and he has to reassure himself, but it's not. It's not even it's gay. It's masturbation. It's like, yeah, right. no, it was. It's some wild. And I'm like, also, I felt really bad for the doppelganger because he's just doing whatever he thinks might keep him from getting his neck snapped. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. He's like this all this fucked up shit that like surely he's not into this. He's just doing it because he wants to gratify Homelander. It's got to be terrifying, for sure. Yeah, he's a captive. Uh, but that's it. Uh, that's it for the episode. Uh, I thought I thought yeah. it was a, a good one, you know, despite not having the big overarching kind of. So, so next stuff. week, if Madeline shows up again, it's got to be a robot or a genetic manipulation or something. Oh, another shapeshifter did... replaced you think? by. I don't know, Shifty, Shifty the superhero <laughs> who shifts shape. 
Gangle Gangle Dopper is going to yeah. come in. It turns out, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 because he keeps making the same fundamental mistake, though, right? Like he doesn't say he needs anyone, but he's just gaping black hole of need, and he keeps yeah. killing the things that give him this these surrogates, its um, sources of love, mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't know. He'll probably move on to beating the holy hell out of Stormfront or fucking her or something. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I can't wait for next week's episode. Okay. We do have a spot of feedback from the last week. It's going to be, um, since we're recording all these in advance, it's going to be interesting because traditionally something comes out on Sunday, for example, and then we record a podcast on Tuesday afternoon. That gives... You know, close to two days for people to give feedback on the present episode to us. Mm. But since we're releasing these literally the second that they drop, um, all the feedback you're going to hear for this episode at the end of the fourth episode is going to be essentially for episodes one through three, etc. We're all going to be like one week in arrears on this stuff. But uh, anyway, up front is Kenny from Spokane says they're super excited for us to be covering the boys. Thank you. We're pretty excited ourselves. I was just thinking it'd be interesting to see Giancarlo Esposito's character use the threat to destroy Homelander's public image as a way to control him. Seems like they must have plenty of dirt on him, and all it would take is a leaked video to destroy him publicly. There could be some good social commentary on cancel culture. What do you guys think? I guess it depends on how much he cares about that. So far, we've seen that he does care about it, but what are his limits there, I guess? Yeah, because he cares about Madeline up until he burns her eye sockets out. Like, there's a thin line between love and hate, and that yeah. line, <laughs> when it's applied to Homelander, is is scary. Uh-huh. So, uh, I do think that, yeah, you you, you got to have a plan to manipulate this guy and to deal with him in a way that doesn't rely on just pretty please and soft power. Like, you got to have some power power and... I'm I'm curious to see how that will reflect, or maybe not. Maybe it wouldn't be the first time a corporation has, you know, rode to power a bull that ended up goring them to death in some spectacular way. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny's side question is: Who would you guys cast portray the boys' equivalent to video games' beloved Boogerman? Do you remember Boogerman? Vaguely, it's a pretty obscure. I think Se- Sega Genesis era. Video game character that I uh, here's my dirty little secret. All of the 16 bit video game systems, I, I ditched 8 bit and went to PC. So, like, there's a huge gap in my console history from like the Nintendo Entertainment System to like PlayStation 3. I s- got out of all that stuff in favor of PC. So, I don't know, Booger Man. Yeah, I was an NES guy. My cousins had the Genesis. Um, hmm. But I feel like the yes, name is evocative enough that you just cast Paul Giamatti and you're done with it. That's a pretty good booger man. <laughs> uh, I was going to suggest Badger from Breaking Bad. Yeah. He seemed yeah, like that's he could a be a booger. One. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Robert W. says, you have to imagine that Stan, Edgar, and Vought have had some kind of backup plan for a rogue super other than just try to talk him out of killing us all. Right? Right? You got to have... Yeah, and you gotta have a stick to go with the carrot. I mean, Compound V is a synthetic drug that they've created. You create the Superman, you're gonna want to have the Kryptonite also created, right? Like, mm, mm-hmm. at least you know a cautious company would. And I don't, I don't know. We're talking about like a bunch of leftover Nazi scientists and and a <laughs> lunatic. So I, I don't know what precautions right. they have in place. But 
you know, you create the compound, you create the anti-compound alongside it, I would hope. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with uh, the Nazis. Half of them had syphilis, half of them were addicted to methamphetamines, and then there's a... (laughs) There's a probably a lot of overlap there too, uh-huh. of meth addicted, syphilitic, uh, brain being eaten kind of types. Uh, Robert continues. I'm hoping to see some kind of compound V neutralizing agent, yeah, yeah. or some kind of clone trooper esque brain implant that would at least somewhat even the level playing field against Homelander, or else. Uh, even if everything the boys want to happen comes to fruition, Homelander can just kill the president and declare himself king of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, that would be interesting. Some kind of like Order 66 mental conditioning that they did as babies that they can, you know, like a Manchurian anti candidate, like kill yeah. yourself kind of thing. I don't even know if Homelander yeah. could kill himself. Uh, cannot self terminate. No, I, I like an, a compound V neutralizing agent. That would be mm-hmm. very cool. Something that rapidly breaks down the compound in their body and renders them mortal. Um, a condition or like or, or like what if you had some kind of literal explosive device like what what could what what explosive device could sever homelander's c3 4 vertebra right i don't like know the, the right shape chart shape charge internally like that that fucked up uh, translucent man's diamond skin you know getting something on the inside of him yeah yeah maybe uh, he's got the same weakness yeah but yeah something i i, I got to imagine that the more powerful the super the bigger the stick that that Stan holds uh, over their head. He then wants to pivot to what's Vought's explanation for owning all of the country's superheroes. If their cover story is they're born naturally, how did Vought come to find and control all of them? Uh, I don't know that that's true. They control the seven who are by far the most popular. I think, you know, yeah. guys like uh, Mesmer and, and Gecko are out there just doing their own thing. That's kind of like asking, like, how does the NFL own all the country's student athletes? They don't really. It's just they have the team that they all want to aspire. So they have a huge amount of power in who they platform, who they push down, who they force into retirement, who they're ready to take the next step. Like, I don't think they control everyone, every regional city superhero. It's just they have... All those are essential farm teams for them in exactly the same way that like there's not a literal relationship like the, you know, Nebraska University is not a farm team for the NFL, but they also kind of are, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially Nebraska, you know, farm teams. Come on. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> El Skid says, I have thoughts and questions about Homelander, Becca, Butcher and Homelander and Becca's son, Ryan. First and foremost, I think Becca and Ryan live inside a Truman style uh, fake town. I don't think she was driving into Vought's installation like I had speculated in episode three. I think she's trying to drive out. When she drives up to the checkpoint, the wall curves in towards where she came from, not out around mm-hmm. some complex. This also makes sense to me when Homelander asks, what are you going to do when he wants to go out to the beach or to the baseball game? Uh, yeah, I did not uh, I did not catch all that, and it's made explicit in this episode, in episode yeah. uh, uh, season two, episode four. So good eye for that, Elskid. Secondly, what's the nature of the relationship between Becca and Homelander? She's never claimed that Homelander assaulted her. She does say at one point after what you've done, but it's vague and I believe intentionally so. We only have Billy Butcher's claim of rape. In season one where we see the security footage of her entering Homelander's office, I came away thinking she had a fling with Homelander and made sense to me 
uh, that Billy could only make sense of it by convincing himself that she was assaulted. Don't misunderstand. If she makes the claim it wasn't consensual, that's 100% truth for me. But I think the show is messing with us by keeping some things vague and establishing facts with a single biased witness. Interested to hear your take on things. Um, it might I be think, made explicit this episode. Yeah. And the other thing is like the, I think the show's being cagey, but I, my, and I, I talked about this a little bit on our, um, our live watch on, on twitch.tv slash bald move. But I think what they're actually, it wouldn't surprise me at all if what they're going for is that Homelander's son's not Homelander's son. It's actually Butcher's son. There's some trickery there involving Compound V and Switch Around and not like literal genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it could be, but it, you know, I, I, I just saw the same kind of like they're being intentionally vague about some aspects. But the other thing is like, if you got if you define a coercive relationship as like a, a massive power imbalance and the one party not being able to say, you know, um, say no, like, for example, mm-hmm. without knowing much about uh, Thomas Jefferson's relationships with his slaves that he fathered children with, most people are comfortable to say that that's a rape. Mm-hmm. Like, even if one of those slaves happened to have feelings for him, like there's no way she could say no to that relationship, right? Same way, like yeah. when a boss has sex with an underling, it's automatically a coercive relationship. And makes you ask the question, can Homelander have a consensual relationship with any mortal? <laughs> you know? Sure. Like like a truly yeah. consensual, non-power imbalance, non-exploitative, non-coercive relationship, especially knowing that he's psychopathic and likes to get his way or kill people. Uh-huh. Like, it's kind of like, it reminds me of, um, uh, shit, who's the guy on uh, Always Sunny? The, the implication of Dennis. Dennis, yeah. You know, like, boats are a good move to make moves on a lady because you're out there in the middle of the ocean. You're so far away. No one can see or hear. There's an implication. Well, what's the implication, Dennis? You know, like, I feel like the Homelander, the implication is like, yeah, well, you could say no and he could burn your eyes out of the socket. So can you say no? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you're definitely right with what we know about him. I feel like his public image is such that people wouldn't necessarily be afraid to say no to him. Yeah, like imagine a groupie at a Homelander show that wants to, for whatever reason, bone down on Homelander. Um, that, I guess, would be a consensual relationship. But again, it's based on the fact that she doesn't know what she doesn't know. Right. right. So, and that he is lying. Into, so now you're going back to like, would she sleep with him knowing that he's a monster? Probably not, or at least most women uh-huh. wouldn't. So that it's like you're it's it's coercion all the way down when you're a demigod, you know? Right, right. Uh, you know, like Zeus. Uh, he shapeshifts into a swan and rape <laughs> and fuck some woman. It's it's still a rape, you know? It's it's yeah, we all understand this, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's our take. I, like I said, I think they're being cagey about it, but I think it's because there's something not quite right about Ryan's parentage that they haven't let us know yet hmm. but uh i haven't really seen ahead of that so i'm this this not me like wink wink it's just me playing along um paul i want to add a little bit to the discussion of homelander's racism by pointing out a motif or detail that i noticed we see homelander drinking an absolute ton of milk milk is something of a big deal in white supremacist circles for several reasons first white people are generally much more likely to retain lactose tolerance than most people of colors uh, I did not. Not me. I knew. Okay, <laughs> so I knew that this the the white milk was a thing about in the the far right kind of racist contingent because they're all like posing with milk all the time and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't know the 
the ins and outs. Um, but I, I looked into this and opposed, I, I, I supposedly it's true. Like Asians, especially far less lactose tolerant on average than European stock. You from European stock are lactose intolerant. So mm-hmm. I guess you're the gym that proves the rule. <laughs> yeah. Uh, additionally, milk is often used as a metaphor for race mixing because it's a pure white substance. And if you put even a drop of something dark in it, you supposedly ruin the drink. No one tell them about chocolate milk. Yeah, right. You know, uh-huh. um, I think there might be other reasons for this choice, like highlighting Homelander's mommy issues. But I thought it was an interesting thing to note. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the mommy think, issues are the number one thing there. But sure. Yeah. yeah but it, it would not surprise me at all if they kind of lean into that. You know, because it's like anytime you can do double diff, anytime you can do double di- duty, and you can mm-hmm. lift more than one plot point with a single thing. That's that's writing economy is what we're talking about right there. So um, that's all the feedback we got for the first couple episodes. If you would like to send us some more, you can do so easily by writing into DHS. Send us an email to DHS at baldmove dot com. Uh, we will consider them, and there's a high degree of likelihood that we will read them and consider them on air. So DHS at baldmove.com, and that will wrap it up for this week's mailbag. But other than that, we'll be back for, are we on episode five already? Sure. Well, getting off of this, the, the first three episodes, fast starts, like, boy, we're, we're already at the halfway point and over yeah. uh, two, two weeks into this thing. But we got four, four weeks, the back half, the back nine, uh, the back four waiting for us. Uh, hope you return and join us for next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.